0: royal stanley of oregon pacific financial advisors offering securities through united planner financial services member finra sipc shares his planning approach to help people toward a place where they may be at peace regarding their financial goals in this dynamic podcast royal will share his insights on how to design a retirement plan to help you plan for your future now on to the show
1: Hello, and welcome to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley from Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Good morning, Royal. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, Eric. Fantastic. Great.
1: Fantastic. Hey, I heard uh, through the grapevine that you got recognized for something recently. Can you tell me about that?
2: Yeah, I was deeply honored. A few weeks back, I was honored by Southern Oregon Head Start. It's an organization I've been volunteering with, uh, doing some board work for for Probably the past uh, ten or twelve years now, and very nicely as they're ramping up for their year, getting back in the classroom at one of their kind of teacher training days with the entire staff there. They had me, me come up and they presented me with an award for my community service and and uh, time spent with the organization. So it was a real honor just to uh, just to receive that. I I, I don't like to. You know, kind of toot my own horn, but but since you had heard about it, I think it's just, just nice to bring up my, my, my service there. And we uh, just want a great job Southern Oregon Head Start does serving kids between the, the ages of newborn up to five years old, just getting them educated and ready to go into kindergarten. So it's a great organization.
1: Nice. What, what's your favorite part about working with them? So
2: one of my favorite parts about Head Start is really – the parent engagement. They do a fantastic job of bringing parents into the education of their children. Uh, I wish it was something that would happen more in the public schools.
1: Absolutely,
2: They have uh, family advocates that do home visits. And, and one of the, 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 the neatest things about Head Start is, while I serve on the board, there's a separate piece of the kind of governing body called the Policy Council. And this is true of any Head Start in the nation. But the Policy Council is made up primarily of parents who are coming from the centers, bringing their concerns and their situations to that governing body. Mm-hmm. And it's always fun. Twice a year, we have joint meetings. So we'll have, uh, you know, sometimes 50 or 60 people in a room. We're all with some very different backgrounds. And it's just, just a great way of I think empowering parents to become advocates for their children's education. So really exciting work. With
1: yeah, that, you there. that's very powerful. I mean, you and I have spoken a bit before about it, but I've worked with at-risk youth for a number of years. And and what we have found is that parents, due to heavy work schedules or just being very busy or multiple children, they don't always know how important it is or realize how important it is to be involved in that school aspect because they think, well, the teachers have them, and they've got some—you know—they've got some tutoring going on, and they've got other th- resources there, and so they just don't realize that they—it's so important to take that time. And when they're empowered to do that and given the tools and resources to, boy, the kids just flourish. And so I—that I, it's outstanding that you're a part of that organization, and congratulations for the recognition. Um, I know you won't toot your own horn, but I'll do it because I, I, that's a passion of mine—is kids, and obviously for you too. So, congratulations, Royal. That's awesome. Thank you, Eric. You bet. Okay. So getting into today's podcast, I know we're going to be talking about risk and that's right.
2: That's right. And so I just want to talk to you a little bit about your strategy risk with risk. Now, are you more of an Asia guy, Africa, or do you like, like to start in the Americas?
1: I like to start in the Americas. It's a little bit smaller than <laughs> Asia for sure. <laughs> uh, and, and I find it's easier to conquer that part of the map and then, then, then work, work my way to South America just because I like the climate.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's either either North America or, or I, I'm kind of partial to starting in Africa. I think that's a that's a nice uh, starting point as well. Yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, we're not <laughs> going to talk about the board game risk, although we, we certainly could spend a few hours on it. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to do today was just really kind of have a conversation about risk. I think it's something that's not very well understood by my clients. There's a lot of different facet, facets when we talk about risk. That's going to affect both a client's uh, investment portfolio but also their financial plan.
1: Okay when you say risk, are you talking retirement risk, financial risk, the, the entire you know job risk? What are we focusing well,
2: on? What I'm gonna gonna focus on is kind of the, the, the nine primary risks that we look at when we talk to a client about their portfolio okay. and then we'll get into how that ties back into their financial plan. So r- right now kind of for this first part uh, of today's um, podcast, just want to dig into kind of some of those portfolio risks. Okay. So when we have a client come in often, they, they probably haven't given much thought uh, to risks in, in the portfolio. You know, it, it's always interesting to sit down across from someone and see how they define risk. Probably, I think the the biggest driver of how a client or an individual defines risk is what did they see from their parents or loved ones. Mm. So, for instance, my my father grew up in the depression, so he had a very specific idea of risk. It's, I bet,
1: yeah. you know,
2: when the stock market, everyone loses all their money in the stock market. Everyone loses a job. There's no extra money for anything. Mm -hmm. That was his definition of risk. And that affected his entire lifetime and his views about money and rubbed off on me as, you know, his son. If you had a parent that grew up in the baby boom debt generation, a completely different viewpoint that you receive from your parents about risk. So uh, I always find it fascinating. Uh, Each person who sits down across from me brings in kind of this this uh, legacy mm-hmm. uh, of how to look at the world and what concerns them the most.
1: Which makes perfect sense. Absolutely. It's, it's your environment that, that influences what you believe is your base risk. Exactly. Exactly. So,
2: so Eric, I, I just want to ask you, what do you think your parents taught you about risk?
1: Uh, well, I know that – with with my parents they did a great job with my my dad built his retirement a couple different ways uh, he worked you know he was in the air force for 20 years then he retired so he had that retirement uh, and then they uh, he worked for Boeing for a number of years and retired from Boeing so he had that retirement so multiple streams of income in retirement was a great thing that they taught me but the risk that they taught me was having a financial planner because they they played around in the market a little bit and they took a hit, a big, big hit at one point. Uh, taking some advice from a family member, and and so I, I learned my lesson there that it's it's the market can be like gambling. <laughs> I don't want to do that without some serious guidance and and with somebody who's not going to gamble my money and is going to do it in the right way. Excellent,
2: excellent. So so from my standpoint, my dad really taught me more of a scarcity mentality mm-hmm. that whatever you had could go away like that, and that. No one ever makes any money in the stock market, uh, you know, because of those risks. There, he Mm -hmm. just had always seen, from his perspective. To just to stay away from stocks. He he yeah. was a big believer in CDs and keeping the money under the mattress and that sort of thing. And then investing all of your thing in tangible things like real estate. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So that was kind of my background there. So it's very interesting that I, I got into a profession where I have to deal with the stock market on a <laughs> daily basis. I don't know if that makes me a masochist or what, or a sadist. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> it, it puts you in control a little bit, I hope.
2: A little bit, absolutely, absolutely. So, when I have a client sit down, oftentimes they just don't have a a good concept of risk, and we'll ask a question of, you know, how do you view risk uh, to your portfolio? And a lot of times they think of it as a zero sum game: either I make money or I lose it all, Mm -hmm. which is really, you know, think of think about a hand of blackjack in Vegas. You know, you put down your money; it's either going to be I, I win, I lose, or we push. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're a gambler, you know that a push is always a win. At least that's my my, my gambling uh, theory there. <laughs> yeah. So, with market risk, what we're really looking at there is the loss of principle. So, you buy a stock, and if you just buy one individual stock, you do have somewhat that, that risk of total loss. Mm-hmm. Now, for the most part, we really believe in just diversifying as much as possible. So we'll look at, for instance, the S&P 500. That's an index of 500 different stocks. So we've eliminated that, that absolute kind of devastating risk there of losing everything. But you'd still absolutely have the risk of uh, fairly substantial pullbacks in the market. You know, we look at uh, what the S&P was down in 2008. You know, at certain points there, it was down, you know, 35, 40 Mm percent. If we're looking at international markets or emerging markets, that's, you know, more than 50 percent. And so that market risk is kind of one of, I think, the primary things people sit down across from me with in their mind of, okay, well, I don't want to go through losing something. I don't want to suffer a 20, 25 percent risk. Now, on the flip side of that, there's also market reward. When you're invested in the markets, you're taking that risk with the expectation that over time you'll see a better reward than you will just sitting in cash. And so that's that's where we test someone's risk tolerance to see how much upside are they looking for divided by how much risk are they okay taking. Okay. Now, everyone would love to say, hey, I want to get 12% every year uh, with no volatility. (laughs) Unfortunately, that doesn't really exist in the real world anywhere. So what we do is we use a few different risk tolerance uh, uh, questionnaires. One, you can go to our website at opfa.com. That's Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. And just go to our online risk assessment tool, which will actually give you a score from 1 to 100 of how much risk you're you're comfortable taking in the market. And then we take that and we can can make a recommendation based on that or look at how you're currently invested and say, hey, you're right on target or maybe you're taking too much risk or not enough. Mm -hmm. So with market risk, especially dealing with clients who are very gun-shy, clients who have been through the early 2000 tech bubble and then the 2008 financial crisis – They might just say, well, you know, I'm just going to stick it all in the bank, and that way I'm not going to lose anything. Mm -hmm. But that brings up our second risk that we're going to look at, which is uh, inflation risk or purchasing power risk. And that's just a simple fact that in normal economic conditions, we see inflation everywhere. Prices are increasing over time, and that's a good thing for the economy, but not for the investor who just wants to stick everything in the bank. So if we look at a 3% inflation rate, everything's getting 3% more expensive each year. But if your money that's in the bank isn't making anything, like we've seen over the last 10 years, you're, you can actually just look at that account as losing 3% each year yep. because it can't keep up with inflation. If you if you look at uh, you know what things cost 10, 20, 30 years ago, you can absolutely see the effects of that, that inflation risk. So that's the other part of kind of that balancing act with, with clients is you have to do something. And, and they think that, well, I, I don't have to make a choice. I can just leave it in the bank and everything's going to be fine there. But that is making a choice. You're making a choice that you're not going to have any market risk, but you've just increased the amount of inflation risk you have in your portfolio dramatically.
1: Absolutely, I mean, back when I bought my first gallon of gas, it was seventy five cents and if I had had a hundred dollars in in a in my mattress from back then to now, well, back then it would have bought me about a hundred and twenty some odd gallons of gas today it'll buy me forty. maybe that's a huge difference
2: absolutely, absolutely so. That inflation risk really is something that we build into our financial plans, and I'll, I'll kind of bring that back in there when we did dive into the financial planning aspect of that. Going through some of the other risks, um, another is interest rate risk, which I think is a very real risk right now, because over the last you know 30 plus years, we've been in this environment where we had very high interest rates in the 1980s, and then slowly over time, they've, they've just been falling. And then they kind of hit their low back in you know uh, uh, 2015, 2016, and then they're beginning to rise off of that low. Now, as interest rates fall, you know if you bought a CD back then uh, at you know let's say 12, 14 percent in the 80s, well you you felt really good about yourself, but over time that interest rate every time you renew it, it's dropping lower and lower. Hmm. Now, if you bought, a let's say, a a bond over that period of time, that lowering interest rate increased the value of your bond. But that that relationship is going to flip going into this new environment that we're in with rising interest rates where uh, a bond that you bought two years ago has probably lost a fair amount of value over the past 12 uh, to 18 months as interest rates have risen off of their lows. And we see that rising interest rate environment for the foreseeable future. So that interest rate risk is something that we're being very aware of there uh, as we're putting together our bond portfolios, uh, just looking at the way interest rates are. We expect them to work over the next three to five years. Gotcha. Now, a few of the other ones, this will fit much more into our financial planning. It's a shortfall risk. You know, for instance, if you're trying to save money for the future in retirement, or let's say you want to save up for a second home, a boat, a motorhome, that sort of thing, shortfall risk is the risk that you're not taking uh, enough risk in the markets and you're not saving enough. This is something that we see quite often with people as they're looking at their retirement planning is, am I actually saving enough? And it, it always amazes me sitting down with a client who is, you know, six months out from retirement, wanting to come in and say, "Hey, have I saved enough?" And I'm like, I'm always just there's there's part of me that's just a a little bit like, well, why didn't you come talk to me about ten years ago?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and then I then then you we we could have done something about the shortfall risk, whereas with six months left to go, there, there there's some things you can do, but but not much. Yeah, so with shortfall risk that's where we're planning for something and that kind of leads right into what we call special situation risk so for instance a lot of families you know might try to put away money here and there for college but what happens oftentimes is the kids get older and all of a sudden it's time to start paying that uh writing that first check to the the college i, I just uh, got off the phone yesterday with a client whose son is starting college and she's writing that, that first $8,000 check for the first term. Wow! And, and just, and, and, you know, that, that's a state school. You know, that's you know, probably not too bad, but she's put some money away. But now it's a question of, well, man, I, I've got to really start kind of pinching pennies here. Can I save uh, for retirement when I have this, this short-term situation going on? where I have to funnel kind of everything into getting my son through college. Mm-hmm. So that's a special situation risk. And that's something that we can, we can alleviate because oftentimes those are risks that we know are coming, like college planning. Okay. So kind of going through these last four risks, one big one is timing risk. Where I see this happen most often is looking at when clients are getting ready to retire, So, for instance, if you look at the statistics here, a client who retired in, you know, uh, 1999, 1992, right before kind of that 90s bull market began, probably had a very, very good retirement. Mm -hmm. If you look at somebody who retired maybe eight years later in 2000, it's a very, very difficult retirement situation because – instantaneously they had the two, the 2000 tech crisis mm-hmm. which depending on their allocation could have been devastating or just maybe a minor inconvenience but then you follow that up again with the 2008 financial crisis mm-hmm. and that's a double whammy that really changed a lot of people's uh, retirement plans there so that time and risk of when do i have to start taking distributions Or when do I have to start pulling from my portfolio is a major risk there. And there there are some things that we can do there, such as changing the allocation of their portfolios to be before they have to start pulling from their portfolios so that they're not pulling from the most volatile portion of their portfolio. That's why kind of just as a general rule of thumb, as you get closer to retirement, you might want to look at taking less risk in your portfolio. So you don't have as much exposure to the volatility of the stock market. So getting into uh, liquidity risk, liquidity risk is the risk of tying up money in an investment that doesn't allow you to liquidate it easily. So for instance, we saw a lot of people in 2008, 2009 get hit with with liquidity risk where they weren't able to actually sell their real estate at the price that they wanted Mm -hmm. to. Or we also had a number of people who got caught owning instruments that they thought were liquid, but in the case of a crisis, they weren't actually able to liquidate. We saw some, um, uh, some short-term funding type instruments that basically the entire market locked up and they weren't able to get out of that, or they had to take a haircut to get out of that. So that's always a concern. The other thing I would say is Lending money to uh, family members is always a liquidity risk. Yep. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> because ju- just because your, your, your brother-in-law sa- says he's going to pay you back, it's always better to, to look at that more as a gift that you might receive back versus uh, a, an investment, uh, you know, regardless of how high the interest rate he says he's going to pay you back. <laughs> so what uh, the next risk uh, we'll touch on is uh, political risk. And this is really just the fact that we live in a country where our politicians can change uh, our laws, given enough political will and courage, to change things. So last year, we had a massive uh, tax reduction act go through. And the interesting thing with that is, for most individuals, those tax cuts weren't made permanent, That's really on on about a seven to eight year time frame before it reverts back to the old system. So the other way we look at political risk is we're going to have elections here in November. We could get in an entirely new uh, House and Senate possibly Mm -hmm. with a completely different outlook of how to manage the affairs of government, possibly even looking for higher taxes going forward or. What, what's uh, also concerning, since I deal with a lot of retirees, is some, some rumblings uh, coming out of this administration about entitlement reforms. So that could be changes to the way we calculate Social Security benefits, the way uh, we look at uh, Medicare, eligibility ages. So those risks are a major factor that's, in, in most cases, out of our control, but something we want to be aware of. And then finally, kind of the other major risk is just a societal risk of, you know, what happens if if uh, in the case of a major financial crisis, a currency crisis like we're seeing in uh, Argentina and Venezuela right now. Mm-hmm. What about war? Those types of things that are kind of completely out of, of our control, but still things we want to look at on kind of a, a broader scale of just saying, uh, what can we do to kind of protect ourselves now on that one one thing i really recommend for people is you know keep maybe five, uh five hundred to two thousand dollars in cash at your home just in case you know there's a financial crisis like we saw in 2008 and the fdic really had to work to basically just keep some banks uh, working mm-hmm. what about a natural disaster seeing what's happening in the carolinas you know, having just that 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 liquidity and that cash at home is a great way of giving yourself a little bit more protection for for kind of some of those so called black swan events that seem to happen about three times a year now.
1: Yeah, kind of like a go bag, uh, exactly with the essentials. Exactly, yeah. Royal, we've covered a lot of risks today, and I know we're running low on time. So what's next? So up next is
2: showing how all these risks filter into your personalized financial plan and investment strategy. We'll walk through how we evaluate all these risks and how they affect uh, the individual and how we go through mitigating those.
1: So it sounds like that's going to be on the next podcast. And what else are we going to be covering during that podcast?
2: So the other things we'll jump into... What we covered today were the financial side of risks. Mm-hmm. We're also going to get into a lot of um, you know, specific situational risks that when we build the financial plan that we're looking at, that we're looking to plan around. For instance, you know, dying too early, mm-hmm. living too long, a, as well as your, your, your personal health, as well as the health of your family.
1: Gotcha. So it's going to be just all of that put together on how you build that financial plan to protect your client's. From as much risk as you possibly can. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to, to, to getting together again on our next podcast, and I hope that you, as our audience, are, are looking forward to it. If you have any questions, I'm sure you can reach out to Royal uh, at any time at his office. Royal, what's your number? 541-772-1116. Perfect. Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast and this next podcast is going to be more of the answers to these risks, it'll show up directly on your listening device when you do so. This makes it super easy to share it with your family and friends. And again, thank you for listening. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planner Financial Services. Material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through United Planner Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planners Financial Services are independent companies.